You thought we'd start the show off like that? Birdland BS. Check it out. Washington. It's been a team of destiny. All we need is a buck drop and release the hounds. Eller for the draw. And as the buck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. That's right, Birdland BSers. It's not a dream. Capitals, Stanley Cup champs. I get chills every time I listen to it. We've listened to it how many times, and I I get chills every every time. Every time I listen to it, every time I watch another one of Ovi's, you know, running around the ice (laughs) with the the trophy, it's... uh, Really, really cool to see. Uh, really cool to to see how the city has kind of adapted uh, to this team. You know, I mean, there's always the closet fans and things that come out of, you know, when their team's doing well. Uh, just really, really cool to see how the team is really involving uh, the fans and their celebration with this. It's hockey. You know, hockey is the only sport that you see this. Yeah, only sport and. To see just them bring it out to the fans. They're just taking the cup everywhere. <laughs> I think that's the one thing that, that really does stand out about hockey versus some of these other sports is it's something that it's it's only tangible for so long. Yeah, you only get to hold on to it for a hundred days. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's a big it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you get it I'm sure they get ring rings and stuff to commemorate oh, and yeah. all that stuff and, and all, but it, it's not something that, that stays with the caps. Even after, you know, even in the next season, it's gone. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, and and Ovechkin is doing uh, everything he can to hang on to that cup uh, for as long as possible. I'm pretty sure he showered with it. Uh, pretty sure he slept in bed with well, it. Well, there's pictures of him yeah. sleeping in bed with it. So, this yeah. wouldn't be the first time the Stanley Cup. I'm pretty sure the Stanley Cup gets laid more than I do these days. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I, I believe uh, Sidney Crosby did the same thing a few years back, if I remember right. So uh, this isn't the first time that <laughs> and it won't be the last. But no. it'll be it'll be uh, hopefully not the last for the Caps either. They have been just soaking it up. All of them have. Yeah, you know, not not just Ovi, but they were you know they were in the fountain, all, uh, you know everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. And I mean, you can just see the raw emotions in these guys in these guys' faces. It's it's really, it's just really cool to see. You know, that's that's something that uh, you know you take for granted. You know, with with teams that win multiple championships and things like that, you don't really see the the excitement that goes. But I mean, this is this is forty four years in coming. <laughs> You know, for for Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom specifically, you know, this was 12 and 13 years respectively that they've had to battle through all of the, you know, the naysayers and, you know, the people questioning whether they're going to be, you know, considerations for Hall of Famers if they don't win a Stanley Cup and for me to be able to kind of brush that off now and, 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 and have kind of uh put that to side you know stick it up yours you know they've they finally did it 
they you know they end up winning the series four games to one. They take the the last game in Vegas. Um, what a game! Well, yeah, what a game! What a series! I mean, this is just uh, the entire playoffs for the Caps has just been something that you don't see in sports. I mean, they were down in every single series. Yeah. In this playoffs and they, came back and won. They had to come back. They had to fight. And it was, you know, it's a Cinderella story. Not once, not twice, right. not there. Like it's a Cinderella story every series, right? you know, to be down and then coming back with the exception of the finals. Right. They let up the first game in the finals and they put the gas pedal on. And they didn't let off. No. We talked about that. They they had to keep the pedal to the metal. They had to keep it, you know, keep their foot on, on Vegas's throat or Vegas was going to run all over them. Right. They were frustrating Vegas with oh, yeah. the hits. You know, Vegas is a fast team. Right. If you can slow them down with those hits, which they did, yeah, you really buy yourself a lot of time to shoot the puck. Absolutely. And and we've talked about it over the past couple of weeks that the play of Alex Ovechkin and you know obviously him winning the uh, the Conn Smythe Award for the MVP. Now that's that's an MVP. For the entire playoffs, a lot of people don't understand that that's not just a, an MVP award for you know the finals. That's yeah, an MVP award for the entire playoffs. This guy has been a bull uh, through these playoffs. He's played on both ends of the ice, throwing his his body in front of pucks. Uh, it, this is an Ovechkin that I've never seen. This is a level that I've never seen him play at. You want to know why he's at this level? Why is that? Said we're not going to be a sock. That's right. <laughs> That's why we named the show this. We're not going to be suck. We're not going to be suck. Uh, he, he reiterated that today during the parade. I don't know if you got to see that, but uh, pretty cool. I, I think he threw an extra uh, word, an exp- <laughs> expletive in there. Uh, Just put the punctuation on it, why don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah, it's he, he has been, he was off the charts in the games, you know. A lot of people, it's it's not always in the in all of the stats that, that a guy like Ovechkin has felt in these games, right? It's the leadership, yeah. You know, it, it's the leadership, the the knowing. I love. I, I have to say, I love with hockey how they handle the the winning there at the end and the cup presentation. Yeah, that, yeah. The entire process is pretty cool. I think Ovechkin giving you know being the longest tenured you know veteran on the team, being the team captain, is the first man to touch. The Stanley Cup, and rightfully so. Yeah, and he he earns it, and I, right. I think that's I love the way that they do that. I think it's it's well underrated, yeah. you know, as as a playoff goes, as a celebration goes. You know, the Ravens won the Super Bowl; they weren't letting a whole bunch of people touch it. Right, right. These guys are going out to the bar. They walk straight through the MGM oh, afterwards. Yeah. Although th- that was in spite to say FUMGM, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if you didn't hear about it, MGM was like. Pushing the knights and saying, you know, the caps are nothing. Da, da, da. Yeah, well, they it, did it a lot to face. try to keep cap fans out of. Oh yeah, you know the state, the, the the venue there. To to an extent, I do understand that. By the way, because it could your your head of security, I'm sure, was behind that. Mm. You don't want to have that be as much of an issue as it could have potentially been. Right. You know, you don't want things escalating. So the more you can minimize it, the better. And it's it's probably for the better. But I think it's just awesome that they just walk. <laughs> Screw you, Jane. We're coming through. Yeah. No. I I thought it was uh it was really cool. And like I said, if you, if you haven't checked it out yet, go look at our Twitter at Birdland BS. I uh, I retweeted quite a few videos and quite a few pictures of Ovechkin and the Caps uh, 
taking a tour, <laughs> basically, <laughs> of Vegas and D.C. when they got home. Even I think some of it was in Virginia on the way home. Uh, there wasn't a place that this that the Stanley Cup didn't see. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Including, uh-uh. including last night a, uh, a, a special appearance on the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> Which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Um, that was to have you know <laughs> Jimmy Fallon doing the keg stand, yeah, and right. them hold, him and Holpe holding them, you know. And I thought it was awesome that they they did bring out the the jockey for Justify as well, yeah, you know, to come out for the whole thing. I didn't know where they were going with that. I'm thinking like, is it because he's a little guy, like, and he's as tall as the cup? Like, I didn't know where they were going with bringing him out. I didn't understand. I it, think but. it's just the championship and just be he was around. He's got to make his appearances, whatever. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool to see. And, and like I said, it, they've had a lot of fun with this club. You know, there's there's some people, if you go on Twitter and you, and you listen to some of the naysayers, obviously the people that aren't Caps fans, and, oh, well, they're disrespecting the cup by doing all this stuff. If you're saying that, you don't understand hockey and you don't understand the history of that 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 championship and the Stanley Cup. Like, that's, or, or that's even tradition. The, even the franchise, too. Right, right. You know, no, fr- but I, I'm they, talking. They may about- be going above and beyond. They're making national headlines with some of these celebrations. Yeah, but still, but- like, I mean, for them to be drinking out of the Stanley Cup and and sleeping with it, like I said, I mean, these are things that other teams have done. These are things that other people have done. This is kind of like part of history with right. the Stanley Cup because. Like I said, I mean, you you only get the cup for a hundred days, and typically, what organizations do is they pick, you know, a hundred people. Obviously, the players first and foremost, and coaching staff first and foremost, um, and everybody gets a turn a day, a day with the Stanley Cup, except um, for Alex. He's yeah, I'm pretty sure for- <laughs> Alex had it all five days so far. Um, Deservingly so, I have to say, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but then, and actually, there's a guy apparently that follows the cup. Everywhere it goes, like his job is to be the protector of the cup. And if it's ever to be put into like harm's way or a position where it's it may compromise the cup, like his job is to take. So is he he standing next to Alex's bed? I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know where he is in relation to Alex's bedroom. But uh, yeah, he's supposed to be keeping an eye. Like apparently, if you if you go back and you read some uh, some stories of of things in the past, like it's ended up in the bottom of pools. You know, when people have been doing celebrations, it's. uh, I'm pretty sure it ended up in the ocean at one point, like out on a boat somewhere. Like uh, it's 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 had its bumps. Can you imagine that guy's got to walk around with like? Gallon, five gallon buckets of polish. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> Just to polish that thing up for all the TV appearances absolutely. and all this and all that. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but it's just, it's, it's really cool. Uh, congratulations to the Capitals on uh, their first Stanley Cup. And hopefully, uh, this is one of more to come. You know, this, this was a team that had a lot of question marks going into this year. Uh, a lot of naysayers didn't expect the Caps to to make it this far. Uh, some naysayers didn't even have the Caps making the playoffs with some of the big pieces that they lost. Yeah. Um, but this just goes to show what a team means, you know. And when you have good leaders that can step up when it matters the most, then you know it, you can fill in with other pieces. That as long as everybody's doing their job. You can reach the end goal. You can get there. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously there's... Uh, it's that next man up mentality, by the way. It's, you know, that's really what it is. It's when you have a guy that goes down, you got to have some guys step up. Right. You know, and the Caps had that happen multiple times throughout the year. So, 
Right, right. They've really proven it. By the way, I I forgot to ask you, how much did it kill you? Because you didn't get to watch the game. Oh, man, I know. (laughs) You know, I wasn't even going to bring it up on the show. Just, yeah, I mean, I... uh... I had bought my wife uh, some Florida Georgia Line tickets a few months back. This was actually for, uh, I think it was Valentine's Day that I bought them for, uh, for a a concert, Florida Georgia Line concert, which I'm not the biggest Florida Georgia Line fan. Uh, don't hate me on that. Don't at me on that. I just uh, <laughs> was never a really big Florida Georgia Line fan. Now, I will say this. I had to go to the concert on Thursday. Uh, so obviously I missed the majority of the game, uh, at the concert, but they do put on a hell of a show. So if you haven't seen them live and you are a fan, I recommend you go see them. Uh, but yeah, I ended up, it was, it was funny cause we're walking back from the concert and I had been getting like updates the entire time I'm there from me <laughs> for, for, well, from you. And, and like, there was one person that was in front of us that was trying to stream the game live, but like the reception there sucked. <laughs> so we're on our way back to the car and I'm trying to get it loaded up on the phone and I, I couldn't get it loaded up. And then we get to the, we actually get to the car and we get out of like traffic where there's this mass of people probably trying to do all the same thing. Right. And the cell towers are like, ping, 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 ping. Don't know what to do. You know, they can't keep up with it. So we get away and we get it streamed and we got to watch like the last seven minutes of the game. That's cool. Uh, we got to watch the you know the celebration and everything on the way home. So uh, I didn't miss it all, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, I did miss a good portion of it. <laughs> well, you got to see the important part. That's what you know. Seeing the emotion, like the 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 last seconds of the game, you know, the last seven minutes of the game, even that was that was where you saw the emotion starting to build. And yeah, you know, when they when they pulled flurry. It was, it was, here we go. Yeah. Speaking of emotions, one guy that uh, had some, uh, some pretty interesting things to say after the game, head coach Barry Trotz. Uh, you know, I've been chasing this for a long time, and I have a lot of people I know who've won Stanley Cups, have done a lot of things, and you need a little bit of luck. You need a, a great group. You need, you know, you got to be playing well, and we were playing well. But, you know, I look back, and we were down 2 nothing to, to Columbus, a very good team. And we got back to Columbus. After the game, I said, we're winning this series, and we're going to win it in six. And we're going to Columbus. We're going to go win both games. And we had to do it in double overtime. We, one, one, one rang off the post. We came down. Lars Eller scores in double overtime. And then we never looked back. And so many coaches have told me that, where we should have been out in the first round or potentially in a post or a, a you know missed opportunity. And then you go down and score, and it changes everything. So it changed everything for us. Uh, once we got that first win under our belt, uh, I, this team I knew was going deep. And I, I, I knew we were going to get to the final. I knew we were going to kill some demons. I mean, you go through all the stuff that we've gone through. I, I think we've pro- probably checked off every one that we have right now. I'm sure it makes the victory that much sweeter. Before we let you go, we don't know where we're going to see Barry Trotz next season. I'd be remiss not to ask you what you're going to do with the cup the day that you have it, and maybe you'll talk to the cup about about your future and what you should possibly do. I'll have to I'll have to rub it and see if it can give me some insight. Um, but no, this group is good. I, I've had some dialogue with uh, with the Caps and and uh, and that. We'll, I just told Mac and, and the ownership that no matter what happens at the end of the year, just give me a couple days to. Regather my thoughts and uh, and enjoy it and enjoy it and then also talk to my family. I'm a family guy, so we'll see what we're gonna do um, and then we'll see what the cops want me to do. You know, if they say, "Hey, move on," and I'll you know that's what I'll have to do. Well, congratulations on the Stanley Cup victory and whatever happens, you achieve the ultimate goal with the Washington Capitals. Congratulations! Thank you so much. 
Yeah, emotional uh, Barry Trotz there to, to to end out the interview. There's there's a few things I, I caught in that interview that uh, I want to make sure that we address. So uh, talking about the series, first and foremost, uh, one of the things that you and I had talked about that had never really been a part of uh, the Caps Andre. It, it's been like the total opposite is the luck and, and some of the bounces that have real that really went the Caps way in this series. And, and it wasn't just the Vegas series. I mean, this was the entire playoffs. Oh, yeah. Things, I mean, bounces that normally wouldn't squeak through somebody's legs did. You know, ones that would bounce off the the post that were sure clear fire goals for the other team were, were hitting posts. Like, just things that it all lined up uh, for the Caps. And uh, just just a really cool thing to see finally turn around and go their way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... There's several different different shots, you know, as he as he talked about in the Columbus series. Yeah, you know, you have it going the other way, and nobody was expecting the goal, and then you get the goal. That really was, as he's saying, if you look back and you look at it as a whole, that really was the turning point. Yes, they got down three, you know, three one in some or sorry, two three three games in the one series, but at the same time. They knew at all times it was possible. Right. It wasn't like past years where it didn't feel right. Right. You know, this year, there were some times where it was like, is it? But you were questioning it. Right. Whereas previous years, it was like, here we go again. Well, I think for me, the biggest turning point, he mentioned this, like killing demons. Uh, you know, obviously the big series was was the Penguins. And, you know. It, Freaking Crosby. Yeah. Regardless of, of the comeback that, you know, they had in Columbus. You knew that Pittsburgh was on the other end waiting for you, and that was kind of your arch nemesis. And they were able to to exercise the demons <laughs> yeah. and uh, get past the Penguins. And that's kind of when I started thinking this could be their year. This, you know, you get past the second round, not just the second round, but you get past the Penguins in, in the, the second, second round, round, which has been your ultimate demon, right? Which has been your ultimate demon, even though, like, I knew going into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was the faster team. Um, on paper, you could even say they were the better offensive team. That if if Washington came out and played their physical style of hockey like they did in that series, that they would dominate, and that's exactly what they did. And we said that before the before that series even started. We mentioned the fact that this is not you can't take this lightly. It's not okay. We're past the pens. Let's go. It's cap. It's you know. It's it's secure. No, it was. Right. We were facing. We faced two of the top teams in the NHL that were faster than us. Right. We had a little bit more strength on both sides. Now it was a little probably in my opinion it was a little more evenly matched against Tampa Bay. Right. But ultimately both teams were fast and that was the one thing that everybody's worried about with the Caps, but the Caps did a, a good job in both series, did a great job of being able to get back on defense, being that, in position. That was something that you and I talked about when it came to the Penn series was they were struggling a little bit to get back on defense and be yeah. in position and protect Holpe, but they were able to do it in both those series and that was the difference. That if you look at some of the stats, pull up, I don't have them pull up pulled up right now, right. but if you look at some of the stats, the defensive players had a lot to do with several games in both of those. Oh games. yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, if you go back and you watch some of the losses that they had, a lot of those losses were because of second chance opportunities. You know, teams throwing the puck at the net, getting the rebound off a of Holpe, and being there to put the puck in the net. 
when the Caps were successful is when they made their adjustments defensively to be down in the neutral zone, to make sure that they were poking at pucks, not really giving anybody a clean shot at the net. And when they were getting clean shots on the net, being there to gobble up the rebounds and not giving the second chances. And that, that was the difference. You know, it seemed like Vegas, uh, in the cup final kind of came out with a game plan and they stuck to that same game plan through all five games. Oh yeah. You know, I give a lot of credit to Vegas and the season that they had, the regular season that they had and the run that they had through the playoffs. It's something that we talked about. They'll probably make a movie about if it's not already in the makes. Um, it's, it's an epic season that's never been accomplished, uh, in, in expansion history. You, you know, I heard a comment the other day and I wanted to bring this up. I heard a comment that somebody made, and I just have to say this is this is just it just goes to show you the person that made this comment. I don't know who made it. It was it was somebody random on right. Facebook, um, but the statement that was made was, "Well, what what do you expect when you have a team that's made up of everybody of everybody else's good players?" You have to understand, you've never played a sport if you're making that statement because yeah. it takes – you can't just throw – It's not a video game. No, you can't t- You can't take the top players in, on every team because I tell you what, you do that in the, in the NBA, right. you take all the top players and put them on one team, going to be one of the worst teams you're ever going to see. Too many Chiefs, not enough Indians. Exactly. Yeah. And there, you have to have just the right balance. And that team had a good balance of young players, the veterans like Flurry who were leading – that and Flurry actually made the statement that he wants to he wants to end his career as a knight. Good. So I, I think that's great to yeah. you know to kind of hear that on his part. But to do what they did and to have the chemistry that they did as quick as they did, yeah, that's the key. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's, it's for all of. you like fantasy sports players out there, and for all you video game sports players out there, it's real easy to build a dynasty team together, you know, where you're just taking the best of players and throwing them together. And of course they're going to dominate the video game, but there goes, there's something to say about chemistry and playing together as a team, regardless of, and and that's, I think been part of the caps problem in the past is, you know, when you looked at them on paper, there's no reason that this team shouldn't have, shouldn't have won two, three, maybe even four championships by now when you look at what the rosters that they've had in the past compared to what they have this year. But what they had this year is something that they've never had, uh, and that was team play, team leadership, not like, you know, it was – in the past, it was kind of like Ovi would show up when he wanted to show up because he knew he didn't have to carry the team because he had Nikki and he had, he had all these other guys that you know would step up for him, and that's all fine and dandy. But when you've got players as dominant as Alex Ovechkin, if you can get the best out of him day in and day out, oh yeah, and then you've got good role players around him, and that's that's what the Lars Ellers of the world are. That's what the Jacob Veranas of the world are. Tom Wilson, you know these guys. That that's exactly what they are: is good role players. And you see what happens. You know, when I see Tom Wilson, I think of one of the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks because that's what he. Does. <laughs> that's basically he what just, he is. He's an enforcer, man. He just goes after everybody. Uh, you know, you, you've got and you brought up some of those names there. Um, you got some of these guys that are still under contract. Uh, you know, Hopey's going to be under contract for two more years. Backstrom, two more years. Ovi's in for three more. Kuzi's in for seven. Oshi for seven. Eller for five. Niskin in for three. Orlov for five. And then you bring up to kind of come back to the Trotz interview, right? 
everybody does forget Trotz is a quote unquote free agent coach. Right. You know, his contract is up at the end of the year. Yep. What do you think is going to be the conversation from the ownership and him on his future with his team? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, behind closed doors there. I don't know the conversations that they have. I mean, the Caps, the Caps didn't start off the year very well. Uh, you know, they, they, in the year they were playing 500 hockey, uh, in the first, I want to say like 20 games of the season. And there was a lot of people calling for, for Trot's job at that point. Um, and that killed any kind of contract negotiations or talks that may have been going on at that time. Uh, but obviously, he's he's turned the tide, and you know now they're Stanley Cup champions. And when you look at the the totality of his career, he's one of the most successful coaches in NHL history as far as his winning percentage goes, especially in the playoffs. He's got a really good track record in the playoffs. He's got a great track record yeah. in the playoffs. Uh, so this is a guy that I believe he's earned his contract. Like you just mentioned, I mean, you went on a list of about seven or eight guys there. You've got a really good core of guys that are going to be with this team for the next two to seven years. Um, you know, this this could be a team that could win a couple of championships in the next couple of years. And, and I feel like they've adopted to Trotz. And I think that Trotz is a player's coach. You know, he's not a man of a whole lot of words. Like if you watch some of the videos, you know, of him doing like pregame pep talks and things of that nature, that's not really him. He's more of an X and O's kind of guy. But obviously, I mean, his track record speaks for itself. It's it's something that I really hope uh, Leonis and 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 you know uh, the GM can could get together uh, and finalize a deal to keep him here at least for the next like two to three years. Yeah, they, they've got to do something. He's, he is definitely, you know, a leader for this team. And yeah. he, I think, you know, Ovi's going to be, if Ovi has anything to do with, with it, I think Ovi's going to be in the air of ownership. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't know how, how much it, it is, you know, is or isn't like, uh, the, you know, teams like the Orioles or the Ravens, where you have some leader vocal leaders who do have a little bit more kind of sway and talk to ownership. Right. Um, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see because, I mean, you also, he's not the only free agent that you have. That's what I was going to say. On the flip side of that, you know, you do have some pretty big free agents that you have to make decisions on that are coming up. You know, this is. This is just the way of sports, you know, contracts end and, you know, some of these younger guys that have outplayed their contracts are due for big money deals. Um, One of the guys that we just mentioned, obviously, Tom Wilson, one of the best defensemen in hockey, definitely one of the more aggressive um, and a team leader, in my opinion. This is a guy that he sets the tone defensively and he makes you want to go to battle for him. You know what I mean? Like, he's the guy that you know's got your back when you're out on the ice. If somebody's going to rip my jersey off like they did with Kuznetsov's jersey, <laughs> he's going to come fight you, and then he's going to fight you again when he comes out of the penalty box. Like, that's just – you got to have that on a hockey team. And, you know, Wilson at 24 years old, um, he's, due, he's due a big payday. You know, this guy's going to have a long uh, – you know, as long as health stays, you know, on his side, he should have a very productive career. Um, you know, this, this is a big year for the caps and their defensive guys. Cause there's a lot of defensive guys that are coming up for contracts. You've got Wilson, you've got John Carlson. Carlson's not, not too old either at 28 years old. Um, 
You've got Michael Kempney at 27 years old. And then you've got, you know, Jay Beagle and Smith Pelly, uh, you know, some right wingers on the offensive side that you got to make some decisions on. And speaking of Smith Pelly, I know, you know, I know we've talked about it the past couple of weeks. Most underrated player in the playoffs. Absolutely. Rightfully so. I mean, this guy, talk about playing when it matters the most. Uh, I mean, he, if, if it wasn't for the play, of Ovi and Kuznetsov. You know, those guys, 1A, 1B, Ovi and Kuznetsov could have been the Conn Smythe Award winners. I mean, you could have oh, yeah. picked name out of hat and it would have been it would have made sense either way. But you take those two guys out of the picture, I think your most underrated valuable player, absolutely Smith Pelly. Absolutely. No, I, I 100% agree. Uh, shout out to Mark DeArch on uh, YouTube saying what's up. Thanks for joining us. He's our yeah, first uh, YouTube you, uh, live listener, so thanks, man. Appreciate you coming in, for sure. And for all those listening on Facebook. Yeah, Eric, well. uh, Margaret, Trish, we see you. Appreciate you guys coming in. James, as always, our Pizza pizza John's rep. <laughs> Appreciate you tuning in. For advertising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, now they, they absolutely have some, uh, some really, really big decisions to make well you got your other right wing there too since you talked about smith smith pelly you've got jay beagle as well who who was kind of quietly pivotal yeah you know in, in this series um carlson and company company obviously having a goal in the in the final game you know it, it definitely you've got some names in here that that could be long-term players uh beagle's probably the guy that is most expendable yeah, yeah, I, I agree. He's there. thirty-two. He's not, you know. But then again, maybe you can sign him to a, a smaller one-year deal, two-year right. deal. Um, you know, I don't don't know how prevalent that is in NHL. You know, with these shorter-term deals. Right. Um, but I, I do think that it's something that you th- kind of look out for. I think Beagle. He's he's either at that point where he's going to play a few one-year deals, you know, for the rest of his career until he's done. Or he might sign one more long-term deal and then just kind of ride that out, whether that's with Washington or whether that's with somebody else. We'll see. Um, I think you know if I had to pick one name out of that list that was most expendable, I would say Jay Beagle. And I'm a big Beagle fan. I love Jay Beagle, but it all comes down to dollars and cents. It all comes down to you know building for the future. And a guy, Jay Beagle, is not saying not saying that he's. He's not a huge contributor, but at 32 years old, he's on the back nine of his career. How much better is he going to be? Um, so, yeah, I think he's probably the most expendable. I, I think the most important two guys here on this list, Tom Wilson and I I, I think Smith Pelly. Yeah, because I agree right there with <clears throat> if he elevated his game to that level in these playoffs – what can we expect from him moving forward? And again, he's only 25 years old, so he's still two, yeah, two, he's two young guys still on the uptick of his career. So it'll be exciting to see uh, what goes on there. One thing that uh, <clears throat> has kind of driven me crazy on Twitter. You got really <laughs> frustrated with this, and so did I. It, it really does. It frustrates me, and I don't understand it. And you know, for you guys out there that are listening, whether it be on YouTube or Facebook, if you feel this way, chime in. I'd love to hear. I don't understand the disconnect between Baltimore and DC fan bases. Like, why do people really have a problem from Baltimore rooting for a DC hockey or basketball team when Baltimore doesn't have one? Like, it's something that I don't get. Like, I talked to you about this last night a little bit, and 
I could understand it if like, so Ted Leonis, he's the owner of the Capitals and the Wizards. He also owns the Baltimore Brigade. He also opens the, or owns the Washington Valor, both arena football teams. I would understand if Ted Leonis had come out and said, you know, he would do whatever he could to block Baltimore from getting an NHL team or Baltimore from getting an NBA team. I get that. But that's never been the case. It's never been anything that I've ever heard of. And, you know, I I went back and forth with, I'm not going to name him, uh, with a person on Twitter about this. And really the only rebuttal I got from him was, well, that's because DC fan bases are snobs and they're snooty and they're this and they're that. It's You're no better for calling these people fan bases names. And, and, And how can you judge an entire fan base on the actions of a few? You know, for me, and I don't know enough about you personally, like for me growing up, um, it took a while before I became a hockey fan. You know, I wasn't a hockey fan at a, at a, at a young age. It really wasn't until I became a teenager that I understood the sport. Um, and I really took a liking to hockey right there with you. I'm, I'm a Baltimore kid. What, what other team makes sense for me to root for locally than the caps. Like I don't understand. Would you rather me root for the penguins, a Pittsburgh team or the flyers? Never going to happen. <laughs> Would you rather me root for the flyers? Would you rather me root for the Rangers? Like the I don't Devils, understand yeah. the disconnect. I mean, I don't know what you feel in this. this I'm topic. the same way. I'm Baltimore born and bred. You know, I moved up North of Baltimore when I hit my teen years, but still was, you know, Baltimore through and through. Right. You and I both, you know, have that same concept of we didn't have a team that we really paid attention to. You know, people get mad and I joke around with some of my friends. I have some friends that are some Dallas Cowboy fans. Tris, I have no problem with it either. Go DC. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so I have no problem with my friends that do this. I just give them a hard time because I, when the Ravens came to town, I, I, I'm a hardcore Ravens fan. I have some friends who will root for the Ravens, mm-hmm. but they're diehard Dallas Cowboy fans. Baltimore through and through, mm-hmm. but they're diehard uh, Dallas Cowboys fans. And the reason for it is, as they were growing up, as we were growing up, they didn't have a team to root for. And that's fine. I have nothing but the respect for those people. I don't like people that jump on bandwagons. Exactly. That drives me crazy. Like, just because a team's winning, like, that just goes to show your lack of sports knowledge and your lack of sports, like, just following. You don't really have any heart in the game. Per se, you're just yeah. kind of bouncing from team to team when they when they when they play well. Yeah, no. If it, look here, here's the way I'll put it: if you, as long as you aren't floating between teams, I'm fine with it. If you want to root because they're they're doing well, some people that's how you, that's how people look at sports. Is if the team's doing well, great, I'm going to root for them. But if the team's doing bad, I don't give a crap. It doesn't affect me. Like you know, and I can see that mentality to an extent. Right. I don't always agree with it, but I see it and I, I respect it. But I'm the same way. This this whole disconnect with DC, like I know people that are that live in Baltimore, right? Had their whole life. The Redskins fans. I don't care. It right. shouldn't be a big deal because those people. I think the people that are saying it, and I'm I'm pretty sure that the person that fit in this category is 100 percent true. They remember when Baltimore had a team. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I was born in 83. I'm 36 years old. So I don't remember 
the Colts being here. Just like you said with your with your other buddy. You know, I had to grow up. I grew up rooting for the Redskins a little bit. I mean, I wasn't a huge Redskin fan. I didn't really fall in love with the NFL until I found out about the 49ers. You know, you got to remember back in the 80s and the 90s, we didn't have satellite TV where you could just go and watch whatever football team you wanted to watch or whatever baseball team you wanted to watch. Like you really only got to watch the local teams. Yeah. You know, for me growing up with football, I saw a lot of the Redskins because they were the local team. And I saw a lot of the 49ers because the 49ers were on Monday night football, Sunday night football. Like they were always the primetime games, Joe Montana, Steve Young. So I grew a liking to the 49ers and I still have a little special place for the 49ers in my heart. That's why I kind of, I've said in a couple episodes, like it was good to see the 49ers play when play well, when Garoppolo uh, was added to the mix. Um, but it was real easy for me as an NFL fan, as a football fan, to adapt to the Ravens when the Ravens came here. Um, and I, I bleed purple and black. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Ravens fan. I will always be a huge Ravens fan. But I just I, the, the D.C. thing has always rubbed me the wrong way. I kind of get it on the baseball side because there's the whole Masson deal and the money deal back and forth between the Orioles and, and the Nationals. And maybe there's been some like things that have kind of been said behind the scenes about those two. Maybe I understand that one to a degree, but not even really. <laughs> That's like a stretch. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, the thing, the thing with that one, too, is, is the fact that they didn't have a team for a while. Right. So in all reality, they came and they, quote unquote, stole the Orioles fans. Right. Well, let's remember. When they came back, the Orioles were in the middle of a long losing streak. Right. So those fans said, eh, "Let's go see what this team's about." Right. And I, and I, and that's fine. I have not. I have no problems with that. If you're from DC and DC got a team, and you you know said, "Hey, you know what? This is now going to be my team. I'm from DC. I'm going to go support them." I'm fine with. that. I wouldn't want to drive an hour and a half to see a team losing all the time. No, I wouldn't either. But. It's I don't know. There's just there's been a lot of talk with that going back and forth on social media. Some people have been given some Baltimore fans some rift for for rooting for the Caps, you know, through this playoffs. Um, I've never been one to understand it. Uh, Trish, mother-in-law, commented that her nephew roots for the Rangers, and she doesn't understand it. It's it's just really who you grew up loving, and you know, your nephew obviously grew up in this area, so he didn't have a team in the Baltimore area to root for. So, you know, he's basically a free agent of a fan in the sense that he can adapt to who he likes. And, and Rangers he, Rangers play a lot of prime games. And they do. On they, television. The Rangers were on TV a lot now. The one thing I don't get about your nephew, and if, I think you're talking about the same, the same nephew, is that he's a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Never really understood that. I mean, they were they were a pretty good team in the '90s. You know, when Joe Carter was there and Roberto Alomar was there and all that stuff, and they won a couple of World Series back then. So I don't know if he was a a bandwagon. Maybe he just likes the color Blue royal Jays blue. Fan. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's it. They are both blue teams, so maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So to me, I don't have a problem with with fandom going any direction. I don't care who you root for as long as you've got real heart involved into it and you're and you're a fan of those teams for the right reasons because those are the teams you love. Those are the teams that you want to watch week in and week out, not because you're just jumping on the bandwagon of, you know, being a fan cuz they're winning. 
Yeah, it's the ultimate test for any any fan, and any true sports fan will know this. If somebody says they're a fan of something, you ask them to name someone from that team greater than five years ago. Right. You do it. Right. And most people, for example, I'll, I'll bring up Orioles fans. These Orioles fans that are doing it, half of them couldn't tell you an Oriole outside of Brady Anderson, Cal Ripken, and maybe Brian Roberts from the mid to late 90s. That's very true. Very true. And that's, that's like you said, that's when you can really tell when the level of fandom. Now, you know, they're... You and I are diehards. You, you, you know, you've obviously had season. I can tickets. name. I can name people that people are like, huh? Exactly. There's there's a different level to that kind of stuff, and not everybody's as invested in sports as as we are. No. So I, I get that, uh, but at the same time, like it's just <clears throat> you root for who you root for, and let it be. Like, don't give anybody crap for the teams that they follow or the teams that they root for, whether they are a hundred, you know, or fifty miles down the road in DC. Uh, that shouldn't matter. And everybody's got their reasons reasons for it, too. Just right. to, to, to end this out real quick, I get crap all the time. I'm for, a Florida Gators fan. Oh, okay. I, look, I'll root. <laughs> I'm not, I have nothing against. Look, I'm an Ohio State fan. And nobody understands that. So I, I root for the Orioles, right. but I spent a lot of time summers in Florida. My grandmother... You know, it, it kind of became a tiff with my mom, and then it became like you know a joke. My mom is a huge Florida Seminoles fan. My mom grew up in Florida. My grandmother is a Gators fan. Okay, so I grew up trying to you know rebel against my mom a little bit, and right. I'm going to be. But I started watching it, and that's you know I became a fan of their teams. Right. You know, most people forget guys like Joakim Noah, Torian Green. On you know when it came to NCAA basketball, the year that they won the championship. You also got guys, you know, right now I pay attention. Right now, we'll bring it up later. They're in the Elite Eight for baseball. Yeah. So, yeah. and there's two top guys. Two of their top guys went in Did the first 20 Did you see the home picks. run that he hit? That the oh guy, like, God. basically pulled a Jose Canseco and <laughs> caught it and then let it go over the wall? Yeah. <laughs> that was such luck. But, yeah, no, it was, it's, I get crap for it all the time. But I have a reason behind it. Right, and it's when people say I have a reason behind it. I, that's when you you get the respect. It's the fans that that can't give you a reason, just go because. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How much are you really paying attention? Why are you really doing it? But right. Well, speaking of football, you were talking Redskins and whatnot. Let's let's kind of talk a little bit about the Ravens, and we'll talk a little bit about just the NFL, and maybe we'll do some uh, some way too damn early predictions. Uh, as to what we think is going to happen uh, in the NFL season moving ahead, um, one of the big topics that that's we've talked about it a little bit um, will be with the Ravens. What do they do at the quarterback position? Are they going to carry three quarterbacks? They're only going to carry two, like they have historically. Um, how much is you know Lamar Jackson going to be involved? The, these are all topics that we've talked about. But one thing that I wanted to kind of give my opinion on. I think, without a shadow of a doubt, the the Ravens carry three quarterbacks this year. And here's why. So we all know the status of Joe Flacco's contract, right? He's got this year left on his deal. He's got next year left on his deal. And if the Ravens were to cut Joe Flacco next year, it would save them close to about $20 million under the cap which is a huge number. Yes. <laughs> if you 
are planning that, right? One, you don't take a quarterback in the first round unless you're planning on the future. Yeah. And I think, and a lot of other people think, that Lamar Jackson might get his shot maybe a little bit this year, but they think that the transition is going to happen next year. So if you go into this season with only two quarterbacks and you cut RG3, who's the mentor for Lamar Jackson next year? Who's the guy waiting in the wings that if something happens to Lamar Jackson next year? I personally think at this point in RG3's career that he's going to be a backup no matter where he goes. And seeing him kind of interact just early on in in training camp and whatnot, he's kind of taken Lamar Jackson a little under his wing, which was to be expected. It's a big part of why I think the Ravens brought him in to begin with. I think that... If the plan is, and they already kind of have it in the back of their minds to cut Joe Flacco next year, that they carry three this season, knowing that RG3 will be the primary backup to Lamar Jackson next year. What's your opinion on that? I, I think I think that's that's right on the money. I think yeah. you're going to see that these, these first few months are going to be pivotal. Mm-hmm. But I think you also have to respect the fact that they went out and got a guy like Lamar Jackson so that Joe can mentor him on the throwing side. Right. And RG3, you already had in there. So I think, like you said, there's there was intent when you got RG3. And that was really to bring his game. Right. To bring Lamar that, that coaching of, here's what we said it before, here's what you don't do. And when we do that, the more that we do that, the more we can actually look for the future. Everybody wants that exciting thing, but you don't want happening to him what happened in Washington to RG3. Right. You can't have him become his own expendability. And if you do, you just lost however many years. Right. You know, out of whatever you were going to get out of him. So I think you're right. I think you have to carry three. It's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. And the news kind of, I don't want to say necessarily news news. Everybody knew this was going to kind of happen. But John Harbaugh made some statements this week that they were trying Lamar Jackson at some other positions. Yeah. And his statement was, when you have two quarterbacks on the field, you can really do a lot. And that's true. And But what that does is that opens up the the exposure to an injury. Absolutely. That was that like my first fear when I heard that was going, He's a runner. Please do not put him at the running back position, fullback position. I know you're not going to put him at fullback, but don't put him at running back. Regardless, whether he's lined up at a running back position or whether he's lined up at quarterback or whether he's lined up at wide receiver, his first notion is to run with the football. Like he 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 has that in him, so he's always going to be susceptible to the big hit. Susceptible to an ACL or knee tear, something like that. You know, he's always at risk. And if you're going to be adding these packages to put him in at these positions, now you've got both of, if you're only carrying two quarterbacks, you've got two quarterbacks, your two, you know, liabilities out there on the field. If Lamar Jackson goes down with a knee injury and Joe Flacco's out there by himself already with some previous, you know, history, injury history, you can't be down two QBs. That's too risky. 
And the amount of money that you signed RG3 for, a million dollars, that's so low risk, high reward to have him. Now, the only the only problem that you have with that is obviously it takes up a roster spot. So that means somewhere else along the, the line, you might be a little thin somewhere. Defense. Um, maybe defense, maybe wide receiver. Like there's there's a lot of things that well, you special know, teams too. Yeah, special teams knocks you off somewhere positionally wise right. too. Um so it'll it'll be interesting to see. I just I think just kind of reading into what I've seen, I think the plan is to carry three this year with the intentions of Joe Flacco not being here next year and it being a Lamar Jackson and RG three one two moving forward. Yeah. The only thing I think that might stall that another year would be if Joe Flacco had a career year. If Joe Flacco comes in, he throws for over four hundred yard or four thousand yards. He throws for thirty touchdowns the first time in his career. He he wins. He he takes them far into the playoffs. That kind of thing. If that happens, then I might reevaluate what I what I think might happen for next year. But even then, even then, that twenty million dollars because you can't get around the salary cap. The no. salary cap is a problem. And they've got some big contracts coming up, C.J. Mosley being one of them. Like, that was part of the conversation going around training camp today was that, you know, C.J. Mosley could have very easily been like some of these other superstars out there and held out through training camp because he wants a deal done and that kind of thing. But just goes to show the type of player and the type of man that C.J. Mosley is, that he's there day one, said that the contract's not going to be an issue. It's not going to be something that affects him. But that's definitely something you got in the back of your mind. This is a big a big part of your defense that you're gonna have to sign and you're gonna have to make money for some way. Yeah, you've got it you've you've got to do something about it. But at the same time, that's where I disagree with you. I don't care what Joe Flacco does this year. I don't think you can afford to bring him back. If he if he has well, the year of his career, that's basically what I'm saying. Like I think well, I thought I thought you were saying that you, you think that you know, it, it that may, would play, be may the, play a that role. would be the only way that I think Flacco may be able to save grace here in Baltimore is if he has a career year, he takes them far in the playoffs. Maybe I'm saying that that's that's like I say it's got to be a god given no. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's okay. got to be a no for me. And and here's why I say that okay. because Joe, while Joe has done a lot, there's also been a lot of pressure on Joe the past few years that the performance is there. So then the question comes out is, okay, what happened the other two years now, Joe? Right. I know you, all right, we'll let you slide on one for the injury, but when year when contract year comes up, you decide to perform. You putting it at you putting it at eighty percent instead of a hundred percent right the other years. I, I'm questioning that as a fan and as an owner, I would I would imagine that Bashadi would. I mean, because that's you're not putting out a little bit of money for that. Right. You know, if I'm putting out twenty million dollars, I expect to be getting hundred percent every out of you every Every game. And this goes back to why I think he will have a career years because we've talked about this in the past. Joe Flacco plays his best football when the pressure's on. Yeah. And he's never, never once in his career had pressure from behind him at the same position. No. And no. he's got that now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a threat for him and he's got it. He, he has no choice, but I don't care how he performs. I don't think you bring him back. I think you have to get rid of that, cali- that, that salary cap. Um I mean, to be honest with you, depending on how it works out, 
I think you got to maybe keep an RG3 on. Right. You know, you got to keep somebody on the convention, but can handle a backup role if needed. No problem. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's there, but I don't think Joe Flacco, I, I don't want him back next year. Okay. You know, I know it's way too early. Yeah. But at the same time, he's getting up there. The consistency is the inconsistency is growing right. with him. And if the, if this year he has the year of his career, it's really going to cement that. Right. That I don't know what I'm getting, and I'm I don't know what I'm getting in the latter part of his of his career. You yeah. know, Joe's getting older. Joe's not getting any younger. And you've got it. You've got to recognize that. You got to go go forward with it. Well, you mentioned way too early. That <laughs> that's a good segue into to the next segment that I want to bring in. So I'm going to ask you just right off the bat, if you had to give me a prediction on the Ravens' outcome for this year, are they in the playoffs? And if they are, are they a division winner? Are they in a wild card team? Where do you see the Ravens today wow. going in the wild, wild card. card? Okay. Wild card. And why? Where do you see their record? There'll be a wild card. I wasn't expecting this part. Uh, I mean, do you think they're above 10 wins? Do you think they're above I, I was sitting here thinking, do I go 10 or 12? Um, Woo, 12. 12 might put them in a division. Here's why I don't think that. I think it's going to take at least at least 12 to 13 games to win the division. Really? You think who who do you think is going to be that good in the division that's going to run away with it with more than 12 or 13 wins? <laughs> I think the Browns. The Browns. You see them going from a a zero win team to a 12 or 13 you're, win? You're adding a lot of weapons. Woo. Do I think they're going to win the whole thing? No. But I think they're adding a lot of weapons. They've shown this offseason. They're serious. Gordon, I saw a, an article today from Gordon saying how excited this locker room really is. Right. It's unlike ever he's seen before. To have him saying that, I'm I'm turning my head's turning their way. I'm not I'm not wiping and saying, ah, oh, this is an easy game or this is you know, they're gonna be a five hundred team. They're going to compete this year. They they went out and made some moves that showed that. And I think everybody is saying Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to be in it, but they're gonna be as it always usually is, they're gonna be right in it with us. It's gonna be one of the three of us taking taking the division. I just don't know. I don't know how Lamar plays into it. I don't know how Flacco's health plays into it. Right. That's There's just that's why this is the way too early segment. We should. I yeah. mean, this is just taking I mean, a shot in the dark. If you had to go off, I should knowing put, what you know today. I should put money on that because <clears> the Browns are like a hundred to one odd. All <laughs> so right. I so put I'm, I'm going to write down. this down just so I don't forget this. You've got Scott's got the Browns winning the division. You've also got the Ravens as a wild card, but then you mentioned the Steelers being right there. So do you have both wild card teams coming out of the AFC North? I have a feeling it's going to come down to us and Pittsburgh for the for the second wild card spot. And you think the Ravens win that out? I think the Ravens win it out. All right, so you've got the by Browns. Divi- by do di- and the, the way they would win. I, I'm going to say that I'm going to go off on the limb. I'm going to say they win it by division wins. Okay. All right, so here's where I totally disagree with you. <laughs> uh, look, I, 
I'm right there with you as far as the Browns being a much better football team. Uh, that's that's to go without being said. I mean, that's what they've done in the offseason as far as bringing in free agents, uh, some of the draft picks that they've made over the past two years uh, on the defensive side of the football have really made that team better all around, which is going to make this division much more competitive from top to bottom. So I don't think there's going to be a t- – a 12 or 13 win team in this division at all, because we're going to be beating up on each other. Um, I think the Steelers are still kind of the cream of the crop. I think that they'll win the division. I think they might win the division at 10 or 11 games. And I think, like you said, the Ravens sneak in the playoffs in the second wild card again at like maybe a nine or 10 win season. Um, I I can see it. That's just where I see it. Now, a lot of that's obviously going to to play a part with Joe Flacco and, and him stepping up and, and doing the things that we expect him to do now that that pressure's there. Uh, so there's there's our two teams out of the AFC North they are going to be in the playoffs. Let's move to the AFC East. AFC East, obviously, cream of the crop has, has been – and probably will be uh, still until Tom Brady decides to retire. Uh, the New England Patriots. Do you see the Patriots? Yeah, that's a, that's a dunk. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> I think we're both in agreement there that the Patriots win the division uh, in that in the AFC East. So we'll both put that down. Um, do you see any teams in the AFC or AFC East making the uh, the wild card? You got. Buffalo, who's kind of dismantled some things, uh, you know, with letting go of Tyrod Taylor. Um, you know, they still had a great year last year at nine and seven. They were still in the playoffs. Um, you got Miami getting Tannehill back, but what does that really mean? Um, New York, you know, with the future and and, and getting their quarterback uh, from USC. The guy's, guy's name's uh, slipping my mind right now. Uh, Donald. 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 Yeah, Donald. Um, you got him out of USC. I think he's got a a, a large learning curve to go ahead uh, with him. So you're not going to see the success of him for another couple years. No, I, I think I think you're. Right. I think overall, I, it's it's definitely going to be the Pats. Nobody else is going to come close. I'll be surprised if they do. Okay. All right. So we're we're both in agreement on the AFC East. We're the only team that makes the playoffs this year out of that division are the New England Patriots, just like they do every year. Uh, moving down to the AFC South. Now, this is a division that, man, it, it's wide open. Uh, there's a lot of really good football teams in this division, uh, some of which that you and I are both pretty high on here. Um, obviously, the the Cinderella story and the team of uh, of Destiny last year was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the turnaround that they had and getting to the AFC Championship. Um, Still are put it on the board, right? <laughs> right. So uh, they're they're definitely one of the most exciting teams, especially on the defensive side of the football. Uh, I see a lot of a um, lot of like. Early on, 2000s Ravens defense with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they continue to add pieces to that defense. It's only going to get better. Um, the the big question mark in Jacksonville is obviously Blake Bortles and the consistency of Blake Bortles. 
Um, Where does Fournette play in again? Yeah, does do you know does Fournette come back? Does he have a sophomore slump, or does he you know continue to grow off of what he did last year? Uh, you got Houston getting Deshaun Watson back. You know, Houston obviously finished the year at four and twelve. They had a, an awful year, but they were a totally different football team with Deshaun Watson on the field. You get your leader in JJ Watt back. Um, so you've got that going on the division. You've got which. I saw yesterday footage, actual footage, like current footage of <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck throwing the football. <laughs> so that could be a good sign for the Indianapolis Colts. I think he's a big question mark on whether his shoulder is going to be able to hold up and how much strength he's going to have in that shoulder and you know developing chemistry and all that stuff with his team. I think his team's still got a long way to go. Um yeah, that's know, a, at four I, the Colts are Colts are definitely a stretch in this. In this Absolutely, division. and then you've got the Tennessee Titans, who uh, you know had a pretty good year last year. They made the playoffs at nine and seven. Um, you know, you got Marcus Mariota with another year under his belt. He's got some good wide receivers to throw to the ball to. He's got Michael Campanero up there now. Not that that's a huge deal, but another Raven going up there. Uh, pretty decent defensive team. Uh, what do you see coming out of the AFC South? Jaguars the division. Okay, so you've got the Jags in the division. Do you see the other wild card team coming out of here? Yes. And what team is that? Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. So you got the Titans with wild card. I'm totally going to agree with you on the division. I've got the Jags for the division, but I think personally the other wild card team coming out of this thing is going to be Texas. the Texans. Yeah, I, I think. I know that they went four and twelve last year, but again, the quarterback position is the most crucial position in sports. And what Deshaun Watson did to the NFL as a rookie was unbelievable. And you know, coming back off of an ACL injury is going to be tough. You know, that's a it's a hard injury, especially for a quarterback. He's not. He's not a Lamar Jackson type where he's going to run on every play, but no. he does play around. He's a running the, threat. He comes out of the pocket a lot. He moves out of the pocket a lot. So he's a mobile quarterback in that sense. Uh, but, man, this guy can throw the hell out of the football. And then on the defensive side, like I said, you get J.J. Watt back and you pair him back up with Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> That's a, a nasty defense that nobody wants to see. Uh, so I've got the Texans coming out with the – I think they take the first – Oh, Wild absolutely. Yeah, spot. no, absolutely. Either one of those teams. I mean, Texas, I, that's why I was saying, you know, with the Titans, I think the Titans would, would come out over top of the Ravens. All right. And then now we move down uh, to the AFC West. This one's a head scratcher for me. Like the AFC West, uh, there's a lot of, again, question marks in this division. A lot of thing, a lot of unknowns in this division. Um you know, obviously, you've got Kansas City who won it last year, but they traded away their their quarterback uh, based on having a lot of faith in you know a rookie quarterback that showed some promise um, in, in in the preseason and the little bit that he played towards the end of the year. Um, but that's a big question mark. You know, we just don't know what we're going to see out of him week in and week Too out. Too big a one for me, right? And and that's 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 the way I'm going there t- too. Um, Los Angeles Chargers finished the year last year at nine and seven. They got better defensively. Where's my old man river song? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I've always been a big Philip Rivers fan. I like his personality. I love his fire. Um, I love his leadership ability. Um, and I would, I would like to see him go far in a playoff run, just because I think he's kind of, he's kind of owed it. You know, I mean this this guy played a long career with one team. Uh, you know, he went to the team that Eli Manning didn't want to go to in the draft. You know, made sure that that trade happened. Um, he's kind of adapted that city. And I think that they've gotten, again, they were really good defensively last year. Uh, and then they added Jalen Ramsey, uh, or not Jalen Ramsey. Um, oh Christ. Um, the safety that I was real high on in the draft, Florida state. Oh God. Um, I, I kept wanting to say Jalen Ramsey, but it's not him. Um, Oh man, I can't think of his name right now. But anyway, they they got better defensively through the draft. Uh so I think that they'll be there in the end ready to go. I don't think we're going to see much from the Denver Broncos. I think what we saw last year 5 and 11 is probably what we're going to see again this year. Um you know, they they still have some some development to do at the quarterback position and figuring out what they're going to do there. Uh, Oakland for me is kind of the wild card here where they could either do really, really well, uh, or they could fall flat on their faces just like they did last year at six and 10. Derek Carr is going to be crucial there. Uh, what do you see happening in the AFC West? Derwin James, golly, thank you for that. Derwin James is the name, uh, for the chargers going to help out defensively. Uh, I think this one's Raiders. Yeah. Locked. Locked. I don't think anything. I don't. I don't even think it's close. Okay. I think so they run away with Raiders. this division. Um, they're the only team. The, the team that's most put together at this point. I mean, I know that sounds. It, it's a bunch of scatterbrained teams because it's right. like you, you know you pick, but they're the team that has probably the most consistency over the past several years at multiple positions versus just one or two positions. Um, so I. I mean. Not to mention you got John Gruden back. So okay, so there it is. So <laughs> i i would have I was really on the fence as to which way I was going to go with my pick here because I really want to see the Chargers do well. I, I do. I want to see the Chargers do well. I want to see Philip Rivers go far. But I think the chip that kind of put the team over the edge for the Raiders for me was was John Gruden. I think getting him back and and him having that kind of old school mentality and uh you know he that that team's a very young team so I think that they're going to kind of soak in the John Gruden personality uh and adapt to it and I think that that's going to be a good thing uh for the Raiders. So bearing injury, I've got the Raiders as well winning the AFC West. Uh, so we'll definitely see. Not a, definitely not a wild card team coming out of that no. division. No. So we, you've got your two wild cards as the Ravens and the Titans. I've got my two wild cards as the Ravens and the Texans. Uh, division winners, you have. I, I don't even like. I don't even want to say it, but you've got the Browns as a division winner. I just in the look, AFC North, like that hurts me to even say. <laughs> it does, but you know what? I I just feel. The excitement that's coming out of, out of this. That's such a huge leap. I, it's, it's way too early. <laughs> what no, do you I expect? <laughs> it is way too early. Absolutely. No. I'm now, if, if you hold on to this pick later on, when we, we get closer to the year, I might question your, uh, <laughs> your, your NFL wisdom. 
Uh, so you got you got the Browns and the Ravens coming out of the AFC North. You've got the Patriots. Both of us have that coming out of the AFC East. Uh, we both have the Jags taking the AFC South. You have the Titans with the wild card. I have the Texans, and we both have the Raiders coming out of the West. Let's right. move on to the NFC. Uh, we'll start with the easy one. <laughs> we'll start with the NFC East. Uh, obviously, that has the Super Bowl champion uh, Philadelphia Eagles. You've got the wild card. You don't know how they're going to do Cowboys. Uh, you've got the always underperforming New York Giants. Uh, and then you've got the Redskins, which are a bit of a wild card as well. Now adding Alex Smith, but you're subtracting uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, that's I don't know how much that helps the Redskins. I think <clears throat> they're similar, similar players to start off, you know, similar, similar. I mean, I think I think uh, I think. Cousins is more of a down the field threat, and I feel like he's more of a risk taker. Alex Smith is more of the Trent Dilfer kind of game manager type. I mean, he's he's a much better than than Trent Dilfer. Don't I'm not saying <laughs> that he's on that level. I'm just saying that he's kind of that game manager. Doesn't really take a whole lot of risks, high percentage throws, that type of thing. Sit back in the pocket as much as he can. Right. So it's it's really going to depend on how he fits into this offensive scheme, you know, in Washington. Um, but I, it, for me. I don't see Washington being a playoff team. I don't see the Giants being a playoff team. I see, for me, the Eagles winning the division. Uh, and I do have the Cowboys taking one of the wild card teams this year in the division. What about you? Uh, I, I do have the Eagles as well okay. winning the division. Um, for me, I don't think you're going to see another team come out of here. The The, the rest of the NFC for wild card is just way way too stacked for okay. for me um so I, I definitely think it's just the eagles coming out of this division i, I i'm yep. gonna get killed i'm gonna get killed by somebody at work who's a huge <laughs> redskins fan but i just don't i i think there's too much going on elsewhere okay and that's and that's fair enough the, the, you know the cowboys are a bit of a stretch for me i just think that you know, you get a motivated Ezekiel Elliott coming back who doesn't have to worry about the off-the-field stuff this year. He's gotten through all that now. Um, the only question I have is the wide receivers and, and, and the chemistry that Dak Prescott's going to have with some of these new guys. You obviously lost your most productive receiver uh, in Des Bryant, and you replace him with a guy like Alan Hearns from Jacksonville who has some problems with catching the football. Um, we'll see how that works out. They're just, they're really stout on the offensive line. They're a decent defensive team. If Dak Prescott can get back to what he did his rookie year, Ezekiel Elliott can get back to what doing what he did his rookie year. They should, there's, there's no reason that they shouldn't be a nine or 10 win team and be right there in the thick of things for the wild card. Uh, so we'll move on. We'll go to the NFC North. Um, the big team out of there last year, obviously being the Minnesota Vikings, uh, had a hell of a year last year. Um, and now they add Kirk Cousins to the mix. So a team that had abundance of just kind of mediocre quarterbacks that went on a run with with uh, Case Keenum there uh, at the end of the season and through the playoffs – 
They bring in new blood with Kirk Cousins, a more down-the-field threat. They've got some really good wide receivers in Adam Thielen and, and Stephon Diggs from Maryland. Uh, very, very good defensive team. Uh, for me, I think they run away with a division just like they did last year. The only team I see challenging them uh, again this year uh, would be the Green Bay Packers getting a healthy Aaron Rodgers back. Um, the big question mark there is, though, who's he going to throw the football to? Yeah. You know, he lost his 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 go to guy in Jordy Nelson. Nelson. Yep. You know, him being out in Oakland now. Um, you know, they do have Devontae Adams, and they've got you know the uh, Randall Cobb little guy. Um, I don't know too much about some of their their picks in the in the draft, so I'm not real sure on uh, you know what else target wise that they have there. Um, <coughs> but it's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, and you throw anybody out there, he's going to make it work. Yeah, yeah. No, he's they're 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 going to be the biggest threat. I agree with you. I mean, you got the Lions who really aren't going to be doing much, and the Bears are the Bears of of young. <laughs> they aren't they aren't doing anything they used Mitch to. Mitch Trubisky is not the answer in Chicago for me. Uh, that guy, I don't. I never understood that pick and jumping up the way that they did to get him. He just he didn't play a whole lot in college and didn't really have a chance to prove himself too much in college. And the little bit, granted, he did beat the Ravens. The little bit that I saw out of him uh, just didn't impress me. Chicago should have gone after Cousins. Just yeah, saying. No, yeah. Well, there's a few other. T- I thought Cousins would end up in in Denver. And I thought that would have been a good fit there, but yeah, yeah to each otherwise, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I don't think you're having any. Minnesota's got that on lockdown. Yeah, there ain't nobody coming out, else coming out of that division. Right. The next two divisions in the South and the West are the two divisions that I think you're going to see that other wild card out of. Um, yeah. You want to hit the South real quick? Yeah, let's do the NFC South. Obviously, you got the, the Panthers. Who the Panthers with Cam Newton are the Panthers? You know, yeah. they they really. I don't know of any big ads that they've well, had. They, they added DJ Moore, um, you know, the wide receiver out of Maryland, who, in my eyes, is the best wide receiver in this draft. You get Christian McCaffrey, you know, last year in the draft. So you've got a year to figure out how to use him the right way in the offense. They've got some some interesting weapons. They do. For me, here's my big thing, and, and we haven't talked about this too much. When it comes to the, the these draft guys, there are so many draft busts. Yeah. I, I until you get on the field and you get those preseason games and maybe the first game or two under your belt, I really don't see like I can see how maybe you could play a role, but I'm not locking you into saying, yeah, you're going to play a great role in this team. Right. Because DJ Moore, while he's done well in college, there's been tons of college players. Perriman. Yeah. If he turns out to be Perriman, everybody's going to look and go, what? Right. You know, nobody expected Perriman to be the way that he was for the Ravens. And not that I wish that on DJ Moore by any means, but Perriman is the exact reason I don't take when I'm looking preseason and making predictions like this. I don't take those guys into account because we don't know what they can do in the NFL. Right. You know, they don't have a track record. They have a track record over here, not here. Um, so for me, I, I that's why I'm saying I don't think they were. Yes, he was a big ad through the draft. They really didn't have anybody that they added, you know, big names that were going to play a pivotal role in taking this team to the next level. Um, I do think it's going to come down to the Panthers 
and the Saints okay. uh, in this division because you also have the Falcons who, you know, maybe Matt Ryan decides to figure stuff out and get his head out of his butt. Yeah, he had a pretty good year two years ago. Yeah, well, and then they get the new stadium last year, and it's kind of like, eh. right, you know, um, and then obviously the Bucks, which the Bucks are another team that interests me. They they started to hit a little bit of an incline last year. You saw the defense step up a little bit more. You know, they were still getting kind of run all over, but the the secondary was really kind of locking down different teams. Right. Um. So for me, I, I think this division it's Panthers, and I. I'm gonna say you you see the Saints come out with the wild card. So you got the Panthers one. winning the division. Okay, I yeah. thought you were going another way with that. So no. you've got Panthers winning the division. Yeah, it took you one way and then made a left turn. <laughs> and then you got the Saints with one of the wild cards. All right. Yeah. So for me, I'll make this real quick. Uh, the biggest acquisition in my eyes for the Panthers, North Turner. North Turner is an offensive genius, and being able to. Bring in some of these younger guys, like I mentioned. You know, you get a DJ Moore in the draft. You get a Christian McCaffrey last year in the draft, and you add the mobility of you know Cam Newton. That's an exciting offense. They've got a really good defense as well. So that's a team that I think wins the division. Um, I'm right there with you as far as the wild card. Uh, I think it comes out of this division, but I have it going to the Falcons. I don't have it going to the Saints. Yeah, I I think the Falcons. Go back to what they were doing two years ago. You know, last year was a big adjustment for them. They lost Kyle Shanahan, their offensive coordinator. Uh, so, you know, some offensive schemes changed and that kind of thing. But Matt Ryan's still a damn good quarterback. He's got some really good targets, obviously, and Julio Jones and some of the other guys that are out there. Uh, and he's got some a really good running game behind him as well. So, with Devontae Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman. So, I think... The wild card does come out of that division, but I see it being the the Falcons. Yep. So what's that leave us? That leaves us the NFC, NFC West. West. So this one, you got the 49ers, who I think many te- many you know fans and, and experts are kind of already counting them out at right. this point. Uh, the Cardinals, if the Cardinals could get back to what they were about two years ago, they could be a force to be reckoned with. But they they've they've got to step up the offensive game. They've kind of fallen back on the offensive game a little bit. Um, well, they ended up drafting uh, Josh Rosen out of UCLA. So and they've they've liked what they've seen out of him early on in camp. But I still think you're going to have a year of bumps and bruises with him before yeah. you get the the best out of that offense. A lot of these a lot of these teams you are. Then you've got Seattle. Yeah. Which you know, lately the past two or three years, it's it's been. Hit or miss with them, yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be you know what what they come out of the team that I do think comes out of this division on top is the Rams. Okay, they looked good last year. Nobody that I know of predicted the Rams to go as far as they did, right? You know, and to do as well as they did. So I I see them doing it again. I see it being a repeat. I see Golf, you know, stepping up his game again. Okay, you know, and and hitting. Continuing to hit his marks. And you have the other wild card coming out of this division? Yes. And who's that? Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, here's how I see this division. So this is going to be another one of those 
divisions where the teams are just going to beat up on each other. You've got some some good teams in this division between the Rams, the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Cardinals on the uptick, right? 49ers are going to be much better now with Garoppolo for a full year. They've got some extra, you know, targets out there for him now. More game that, planning for him. Right, and they've got another year with Kyle Shanahan, who I just mentioned, does a pretty good job um, offensively. The question mark that I have for the Rams, they've made some they were really good last year. Really good last year. And they brought in some big pieces. But those big pieces that they brought in have some pretty big baggage with them. They brought in Nadamakan Sue, who is probably one of the most def- most threatening and and and, and one of the, the best defensive tackles in the NFL, but he's a head case. And, you know, he can cause... Many many call him a dirty player, too. He's a dirty player, and he can cause some problems in the locker room. Then they also make a trade for Marcus Peters, one of the better young and -and up-and-coming corners in the league out of Kansas City. Another guy who has some question marks about his temperament. And look, I mean, you don't take one of the best corners in the NFL statistically in a Marcus Peters, and you just trade him for no reason. Kansas City knows something about this guy. It's either a locker room thing. It's a character thing. There's something going on. You don't trade somebody that's that productive and that young, still in his rookie contract, unless there's something else kind of going on there with the, with the player. Um, yeah, to give up that quickly, it doesn't make sense. No, but I mean, he he definitely makes this team on paper and on the field a better team. It's just how do those two personalities with Sue and Peters mix with what they've got going on in Los Angeles? So we'll see. I mean, this this could be far and away a really good thing for them, or it could end up being detrimental and and really spiraling the 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 locker room uh, in the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, but that's being said, I still have the Rams um, winning this division. Uh, obviously, I've already got my two wild card teams, so um, my two wild card teams are already selected. So I've got that going. Um, let's just do a quick quick recap. So you in the NFC? You've got the Eagles winning the NFC East. And I have the Eagles winning the NFC East. I also have the Cowboys coming out with a wild card. NFC North, you have the Vikings. I have the Vikings. NFC South, we both agree the Panthers are going to be the division winners. You have the Saints being the first wild card. I have the Falcons coming out of that division. In the NFC, was at the West? You have the Rams as a division winner. And you have Seattle coming out as your second wild card. I have the Rams winning the division. So we'll see. I mean, again, this is all way, way too far. damn early, uh, but just I thought it would be fun and something kind of cool to add to the, the uh, show. Now, <clears throat> moving on, and one thing that I wanted to mention, I was on Twitter earlier, and one of our awesome followers, uh, at Ashley, I think it's Benkin, uh, asked, would you tolerate 10 years of a losing record for the Ravens if it meant one World Series win for the Orioles? And I didn't have an answer because 
we've been there before with 15 years of losing with the Orioles, and we knew what that was like. It was awful. I hated. I mean, I I, I still rooted for my team, but going into every year, I mean, you knew that this team wasn't going it wasn't going to the playoffs, wasn't going to win a World Series. You just kind of went because you're a baseball fan, right? Do you want to do that with the Ravens? And here, me being biased, you know, this is the first year I'm going to be a PSL owner. Like, that's why this is like a loaded question for me. Like, do I want to pay for PSLs for the next 10 years, knowing that I'm going to watch a losing product just to get one World Series win from the Orioles? But, man, my heart. It's, you know, I'm a baseball and a diehard Oriole fan first. I think the Ravens and football are like a 1B for me. Like if I had to rank them, I've got the Orioles and baseball just a little bit more above football. Even though football is an exciting sport and everything. I didn't have to answer it, but if I had to give it an answer, Ashley, uh, I don't think so. I don't think I would. I don't, I don't think I would give up 10 years of the Ravens being a bad football team to get one championship from the Orioles. What's you, what do you think? My answer is hell yes. You do. You <laughs> yeah, do. I okay. mean, look, in the time that I've been alive, never seen an Orioles World Series championship. Right, last one was 83. I was one. I've seen two Ravens right. Super Bowls. That's true. Being a, a huge Orioles fan that I am, I'm a little bit biased on this question. But at the same time, I do love, to your point, the excitement of the NFL, of the Ravens. But to me, it's worth it. If it meant that I got you know one World Series for the Orioles during my lifetime, yeah, you know, there's years that teams go, you know, more so it, it seems in MLB versus some of the other the other you know leagues. It happens more often that teams go longer spouts without winning World Series. Right. It could be the one shot. I don't know. I'd take it. Yeah. I I would take it, and I'd take it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't blame. And that, and, an and that's eye. fine. You know, I I don't have problems with with anybody going any which way with that. You know, I mean, especially it's, it is a loaded question. <laughs> it is. It's it's hard to answer. And we're we're on two different ends of the spectrum here. You are a season ticket holder for the Orioles. I'm a season ticket holder now for the Ravens. Uh, you know, I've got a vested interest in the Ravens. That's giving up 10 years of my next season tickets, knowing that that team's going to lose to get that one World Series win from the Orioles. Um, as much as I, as much as I want to see that happen, and man, I just that playoff run in 2012, and and being in the stands and seeing the excitement of the of the crowd at Camden Yards, like. There's nothing like that. Like it's, it's on another level. Uh, we hit a record for an MLB stadium as far as loudness. Oh yeah, decibel I mean, level. I was there for the game that you know the double that uh, Delman Young yeah. hit down the line and everything. And and I mean, there's video of it of us jumping around. You can feel the entire stadium just shaking underneath your feet. Like it, it was just. It was a it was a really talk about goosebumps. Like I mean, I get goosebumps just like thinking about oh, yeah. that day now. And that was what? God forbid you put that call in front of me. God, I'm done. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like I get goosebumps anytime I see it. I, you know, as much as I want to see that that the Orioles win that championship, um, 
I don't know. I don't know if I could give up those 10 years. But to do that and to win a championship, there's obviously a lot of changes <laughs> that have to happen. I mean, we're... Can I name number one, please? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's your number one? I'm pretty sure I could guess it. <laughs> Bye-bye, Chris Davis. Yeah, like... And, and this is my thing. What, what do we do with Chris Davis at this point, right? So do we just eat the contract and say it is what it is with the money and let him go and just release him? Or do we basically say, you know what? We're going to eat this contract one way or the other because we're either going to cut you and we're going to have to eat the money. Or do we say, you know what? Suck up your pride. You're going down to AAA. And that's where you will be until you get this shit figured out, until you get your head straight, whatever it is that you need to do. Because I think a lot of this is between the ears. You know, the guy didn't wake up one day and just can't hit the baseball physically. He's got the physical ability to do it. The guy is a freaking brick shithouse. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, a very well, very good. There's a reason his nickname was Crush Davis. I mean, exactly. So he's there's I don't think it's a physical thing going on with him. It's all between the ears and me being a guy that, that has had my own battles with anxiety and, and some things of that nature. Like I know how that can affect you when you're out on the sports field, when you let that kind of stuff creep into your mind and this guy's getting it from every which direction. I can only imagine what's being said in the clubhouse. I can only imagine what's being said from Buck, but then, you know, Unless he's just basically living in a shell and not turning on the TV and not turning on the radio, he's hearing it no matter where he goes. And he's got to eat that. He knows he's robbing them blind. He knows that he's just basically taking this money from the Orioles organization. He is on pace for the worst statistical year in Major League Baseball history from a hitter. Since 1901. 1901. His war, his his F war, since 19, all players since 1901, 81,892 players have played in Major League Baseball since 1901. Yep. He is on pace to be number 81,892. It will be, it will no longer be, no joke, it will no longer be the Mendoza line. Yeah. It will be the Davis line. You will have the Mendoza line up here, and you will have the Davis line even lower. And that's that's just – it's horrible. But Buck made a statement today. I don't know if you heard this. I didn't. Davis was benched tonight, mm-hmm. and Buck made it aware to the media, Davis will be benched again tomorrow. Didn't give any solid reason. I think somebody asked if he was ill. Maybe you got the thing that Manny had. Right. The answer to that was no. Okay. They're well, done. And, and and rightfully so. Like I said, I mean, I really think the only thing that you can do to try to salvage it is just put him down in AAA, send him some of the best therapists that you can send him. The problem is I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's in the minors. I don't I don't think he's I, I'm sorry, I don't think his contract allows him to go to the minors. No, he would have to accept it. He he couldn't just go. He would have to accept the assignment. He would have to clear waivers and then get sent to – nobody's going to claim this guy, not $170 million on a guy that's statistically the worst player in baseball. So there's ways to make it happen, and he would have to gra- – he would have to – to accept well, it. unless you got a team, unless you got a hold on a second on that. The one, my one statement that unless you've got a team that's real confident that you go, 
oh, we'll take Davis because we're going to grab him by the that throat. That not happen. We're going to grab him by the throat and go, you're going to hit and you're going to focus and you're going you're, you're to be in this cage every day until you get this right. That's the thing that's not happening with Cool Ball, and I think it needs to come out in the media, is Buck needs to say out loud, we've told Davis he's not getting back on the field until he spends X amount of hours in the cage, until he's, you know, seeing we're seeing X, Y, and Z in the cage every Every time he's in the cage, not just every other time, not just occasionally, he's got to be. We have to be seeing everything. And I, I mean, I understand that, and I can understand why you would feel that way. And I mean, at this point, I'm open to to anything as far as what you got to do to get this guy better. But I really don't think it's a batting cage thing. I think this guy needs to take a couple weeks in Aruba somewhere. He needs to take a vacation somewhere. He needs to get his mind completely away from all the bullshit that he's dealing with right now. Get laid. <laughs> yeah, get get <laughs> get some aggression out. He needs to talk to some therapist. He cuz I really I honestly, and I'm not saying this to be funny. I really really think he's got some mental issues. I think it's anxiety. I think it could be partly maybe um, you know, I, I think the, the Adderall thing could be a say, part of it. Have you have you heard anything? I have I so yet to hear anything. The on last this. thing, and, and I could be completely wrong on this, so don't quote me on this or anything. If but, somebody out there that's watching knows or has seen this, please send us the link or, or you know answer Fred's Fred's uh, statement here. Yeah, I I just I think what I've heard in the past was that he was on Adderall. And he didn't get the approval that he needed to, to, you know, to take the Adderall. And then the Adderall that he was on apparently wasn't approved through MLB. So now the medication that he is on is like an Adderall that is approved by MLB that he has got the approval for. So he is taking something, but I don't think it's the original medication that he was on back in 2014 and, you know, when he had his big years. Uh, I think it's it's for 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 those out there that have had anxiety issues or you know panic issues or depression issues. There's Zoloft, there's Effexor, there's Celexa, there's there's all these different medications for the same. And then you have the generics of all those too. Exactly, and and, and there's all these medications that are are designed to treat the same problems, yeah. but everybody's body chemistry reacts differently to the different medications. You got to go through a bunch of them until you find the right one for you. And I think that that's what I think personally, that could be part of his problem is that he's not on the right medication for him, or it could just be strictly just a mental thing, like a mental block. He's gotten to his head too much. I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I just, we, we all know as Oriole fans, he's the poster child of the problems with this team. It doesn't start and end with him, but because of the contract that he has, he is the poster child of what needs to be addressed and what needs to be fixed with he, this He's team. the worst Albert Bell of this era. Yeah. He really it's, is. You look at the contract situation, it was a, it was a very similar you did, they didn't learn from Albert Bell. Right. You know, a guy who wasn't very consistent, he was known for having this these up and down years and when he was up, he was up. Right. And this the same with Davis, but they didn't learn anything from that contract. James chimed in and said, "Trade him with Manny." You know, I, I had I had said something about that a few weeks. So you got to find the right trade partner because nobody's going to take him. You got to know that nobody's going to want to take 170 million dollars with Davis, 
And if you can find a team that's willing to bite, you're not going to get anything back in prospects for Manny. So basically, you're trading Manny away to get rid of Chris Davis's contract, and you're not getting anything in return. So although I, I, would, I don't think that that's a bad option, James, I just I don't know for the future of this team if it's the right option just because this team's not ready as far as the minor league system. We don't have the depth to be able to eat losing Manny and not getting a haul in return for him. If our farm system was one of the top, you know, 10 farm systems in in MLB, I'd be 100% behind that and I would totally agree with you. Uh speaking of Manny, Manny got, you know, was last night was out of the lineup. Uh, due to being ill, right. you know, it, it raised the whole, oh, oh, here we go. As soon as, as, soon as that yeah. lineup came out, everybody's waiting for Buck's response, what was going on. And then he comes out and says he's ill. Um, but there's been a lot of teams. I think there's like eight different teams that have been said to be in the mix for Manny. Um, one of the top teams uh, that I, I like the idea mm-hmm. is Phillies. Yeah. Phillies have the number, I want to say the number four, five or sixth rated farm system mm-hmm. in MLB. The other team that I thought was a really interesting one. Um, and it seemed to be the lowest of the potential, but I like the options because I think they're rated second or third in MLB. The Braves. Yeah. And we've talked about that in the past. I think the Braves are, are, are a very good and very young team. You know, outside of uh, Nick Markakis being like the kind of veteran leadership that they needed on that team, you know, they're they're a very young and upcoming team. You add a superstar, yeah, like a Manny Machado to that to that roster, that puts them over the edge. That puts them a serious, in my opinion, World Series contender this year. On off right on the offensive side of the ball, it puts the it's you know. And I saw a thing. Somebody said Chipper Jones is still greater than Manny Machado. At this point in his career, at, compared to, to Chipper, I would disagree. Overall, Chipper, we do have a larger pool. Yeah. So I would agree overall. But Manny's still got his prime years ahead of him. Oh, yeah. like we, You haven't seen the best of Manny Machado yet, and that's saying something. And can you imagine him going to the Braves? It would be the Braves of, Braves of yesteryear almost. Yeah. You know yeah, they they could they could become that dynasty like team. They would need a little bit more help with pitching, but it would just their offense would just explode off the page. Um, and I think it's it's definitely something to to look out for. I know the Mets have also been set in the mix. Seattle, sure, Seattle, come on, we'll take another one of those trades. You yeah, know, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, but then again. That that trade worked out for the better because the guy we got rid of yeah. sucked. Right? Yeah. Well, now we got a, a good a good haul on that. But no, I I definitely think the the strong suited team that might play a big part in it would be Philly. I think that Philly knows that. Well, first of all, for those that don't follow baseball and don't know, Philly has a ton of money. They are sitting on. A gold mine. Of course, they don't with have all a Ryan that, Howard contract anymore. With all that Comcast money that they've got, like they're sitting on a ton of money and they're ready to pounce, right? But Philly also is smart enough with Andy McPhail being there as their GM. They know that they're going to be competing for Manny Machado and Bryce Harper or the maybe even both of them against the likes of the Dodgers, the by Yankees, the, the, the Cubs. Way, guess who selected Manny Machado? 
Yeah, no, exactly. And and that's that's a big part of the reason why I think Philly might be a big play. And like you mentioned, they've got a really good farm system, so we can get a good haul from him. And I think Philly, if they're smart, they want that half a year to kind of win Machado over for free agency going into next year. I'll tell you what, they're not a bad team right now. No, they're not. And again, you add you a Manny could, Machado. You add Manny Machado and you could you could now the the Nationals have been falling off a little bit. Yeah. The Braves have been kind of falling off a little bit. It's going to be a close race between the Braves, the Nats, and the Phillies. Yeah. And if the Phillies add a superstar like Manny, right. that's why I think the Braves are interested. Because you don't want Philly getting a hold of Manny. Right. And then you've got the you know the wild card positions there, too. You don't have to necessarily win the division. You get it in as a wild card, it's one game. One oh, yeah. game and you're in. you got a Manny Machado on your side, I like your odds. Yeah. No, absolutely. I absolutely. <laughs> Unless you're going against Bryce Harper, then that would be interesting. Right. Yeah, that's the only thing. Exactly. Um, you know, one thing, one stat that you and I were talking about with this team, you know, to kind of, I hate to go back on a negative note, but with this team's record, you and I were talking about this. The 88 team started 0-21. They ended the year in 54-107. and And you had this stat, so I'll let you bring this up. What are they what are the 2018 birds on pace for this year? If they stay on the same pace that they're on now, they're on pace for 48 and 114. That's a 6 game drop from the worst team in franchise history. Yeah, and like it's it's so bad right now. I I sent a tweet out earlier today and uh it seemed to get, you know, some some pretty good responses and you know, it, it came from the heart in a lot of ways, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it off to you um, as to what I said. So, I was born a nose fan. I've gone through many highs and many long lows. I will always love and support my team, but I must say, this is the first year that I've ever questioned why I torture myself with continuing to watch this train wreck of a team. And... That's that's straight from the heart, and th- and this is coming from somebody who, my wife yells at me because I watch 162 games a year. I watch every game, put you know, win or lose, I watch them. It's gotten to the point now where like, I don't even want to turn them on. And I'll, I'll, straight, I'll be honest with you, if if they're losing in the fourth inning by more than one run, yeah, I pretty much I'll go do some other stuff. I might flip it back. But my wife and I used to sit there and watch the games. I, I used to watch my the games the beginning of the season and last year. My son loves sitting there watching it. Yeah. But I'm like, do I really want to expose my son to this? Right. Like, we'll, we'll sit it's there hard. We'll find other games on TV. But at, at the same time, like, I know it's, sound, it's bad. You know, I'm not letting my son watch it. But at the same time, it, it's hard for me to watch. My son likes it when I get excited because then yeah. he gets excited. I've got nothing to get excited about. Right. No, and I totally agree. Like last night, you and I were uh, doing some prep for, prep work for the show for today. And, you know, we were getting updates as the game's kind of going along. And Bundy's pitching a gem, but team's not hitting the ball. And I knew once we got to the fourth and fifth inning and we hadn't scored a run and we weren't hitting the ball, Bundy was going to end up pitching a gem and we were going to end up losing this game. He went eight do? innings, gave up three hits, seven strikeouts, and they couldn't give him a damn run to support. Not one. They went 12 innings and couldn't score a run, end up losing that game. Uh, it's just it's just the tale of this team. Um, it, it's, it's hard because, you know, I, I love this team and I love a lot of the guys on the team. And, you know, I hate the fact that I'm, like, so proactive in wanting to blow this thing up. 
um, and change it for the future. But that's honestly, you know, sometimes you got to suck up your pride as a fan and, and know that maybe the next two or three years are going to suck. But that's that's ultimately the best thing to do. I mean, situations like this. I'm right now they're losing six to two, bases loaded, two outs, one and two. Joe Kelly is pitching to Jonathan Scope. I I, I sit here and I look at it and go. Normally, I'd be excited. Bases loaded, six to two, bottom of the seventh. All right, like right. yeah, we're down, but. One swing in the bat from a guy like Jonathan Scope against yeah. Boston, who he normally does really well against. And I'm looking at it going, all right, he's either going to strike out or it's going to be yeah. a ground ball. We're not going to win this game. There's no way. They're, like I just, I have no faith in this team at all. But all right, man, we're, look, we're almost two hours in this thing. Jeez. I was not even paying attention. So we're going we're gonna to skip ahead on a few things that we'll come back to next week. Uh, so if you want to start with the, the next segment, that'd be great. You threw me off there. Yeah, no, I just... Uh, <laughs> I didn't I, realize we'd gone that long. Either. I didn't either, man. I looked down at the time. I was like, holy cow, we're an hour and 45 minutes into this thing. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm ready whenever you are. All right. And now, it's time for the two... Minute warning. All right, Fred. This week it is your turn to do the two minute warning. And your time, sir, starts now. All right, so in NBA news, Golden State sweeps LeBron. And the Cavs to win the NBA championship uh, with Prince George's County native Kevin Durant winning the NBA Finals MVP for the second year. Uh, That brings LeBron to free agency. I guess at this point we can just basically spin a wheel to figure out where this guy's going to (laughs) go. Pretty much. Who the hell knows? I mean, go anywhere. Uh, NBA commissioner. Apparently he's not happy. No White House invite for the uh, the NBA champs. Now, there's been a lot of controversy back and forth between some of the players weren't going to go regardless and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the NBA commissioner's not too happy with that. MLB news. Shohei Otani has gone to the DL with a UCL sprain in his throwing elbow. Tommy John, I mean, that would put him out until 2020. Yeah, at that's this confirmed point. now, the Tommy John. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's sad, man. This guy was uh, was on pace for for an epic year, both pitching and hitting. It's something we had never seen, uh, but puts a lot of question marks as to whether or not we should see that moving forward. Antonio Browns, am I really a free? Am I really free? Comments, pretty controversial. If you haven't heard anything about this yet, you should definitely he look hates into the media that. Right now. He's not too happy with the media. Tiger in golf news to stay on his dingy yacht during his open his dinghy or his dinghy yeah his yacht uh during during the u.s open hopes comforts of home help we'll see i mean this guy's pulling at strings now to try to make things successful the fifa world cup to start in two days june 14th um through the 15th germany brazil and spain all expert top picks to win the cup obviously the usa did not even qualify 
didn't get it in there. But Justify wins the Belmont and Triple Crown. But leads into some controversy. Now, look, I'm not a big horse racing fan. I'm not a big horse racing guy. I know horse racing and some of the betting are, are some of kind of things that you, that you watch a lot and, and take a part in. So do you have any feelings on that or opinions on that? Yeah, it's So there was a little bit of controversy surrounding this. Um, the And I believe the horse's name was Absolute. Um, it's owned by the same owners that own Justify. And this horse came in second or third in the Kentucky Derby on a wet track. The controversy comes in that they pulled this horse from the Belmont Stakes. Okay. It was projected this horse was going to was going to be in the Belmont and this horse apparently may be a better horse on a dry track than Justify. Uh, so well, in Kentucky the, it was a mess. Well, Kentucky was a mess, you know, the the Preakness was a mess, but then you have this dry track. It was great great weather. They pulled him somewhat last minute. I think they pulled him about 48 hours before but the crazy part is, if their horse or any horse beats Justify, they don't get a $20 million purse for him winning the Triple Crown. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I can understand that, and I understand where you're going with it. You know, obviously, they, I guess the people out there are saying that they rigged it to the point where, you know, there was no way that the other horse was going to win. Uh, by pulling him out of there so that that doesn't put that $20 million at risk. I get that. But at the end of the day, your horse still has to win the damn race. You know, it, Oh, absolutely. I get it. He was the favorite to win and all of that. But at the end of the day, he's still got to go out there and do it. Just like the, you know, in any other sport, you know, the, you can have the best team on paper and all that kind of thing. You got to still go out there and do it. Um, yeah. They, they kind of gave themselves an edge by pulling him out, but I don't know. I don't see a big problem with it. I don't think it's a controversy. At the end of the day, the horse won all three races. Why? Well, you know, it's it, it. I don't understand why people question greatness so much. Like it just seems that happens a lot. Like anytime somebody does something amazing, there's always the naysayers that want to question it or bring it down to make it you know not feel as important as it once was. But not to justify, but I think a lot of people the reason people question it is because there are so many scenarios in which people didn't didn't question things and it wound up kind of coming out after the fact. Right. You know, there were questions surrounding NFL with the flated footballs. Right. Comes out after the fact. You know, you've got some some of the other, you know, ones out there i was trying to look and see what this what that horse's name was it's it's like really bugging me i think it was i think it was absolute um is something along those lines but the the big thing is or audible there it is audible audible finished third and they that's the horse they pulled over by the same owners um but just there there's been there's been things across sports and just you know even even in political elections right you know things like that there's controversy and there's questions and these things come out afterwards. So I think people have just have been trained to just question. Yeah. You know, without to question without question. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It, it become the naysayer, you know, be the person that uncovers it and stuff like that. I, I do I do have a problem because money was involved. That's that's why I have a problem with But there's it. money involved in all sports. You know what I mean? There's money involved in everything and at the end of the day, like I said, regardless of whether, you know, 
if if you have the ownership of both of those horses, then you have the right to pull that horse. It's not like they went behind like the owner of another horse that was like oh, yeah. and and like hurt the horse in some kind of way to keep him from going out. If you have the ownership of both of those horses and it's in your best financial interest to say, hey, well, you know what? In this race, I'm not going to run him because I got the potential to win $20 million. If that's you, you mean to tell me you've got $20 million on the line and if your horse wins that race, you win that money, you don't take one extra factor away from the possibility of losing that? If you have the control over it? To an extent, yes, but it's how they did it because they they claim that the or, the horse had an injury. They've been questioned multiple times around it. And it's it's at this point it's it's being developed that everybody feels it was a lie. Right? Justifies a great horse. Don't, you know, I I'm not, I can't I agree with you. You can't take anything away from a horse that that did do really well. Right. But the statistic, you know, it's that statistic side of things that catches up with you that says, "Well, wait a second. The numbers say Yes, every anything can happen. Any given team, any given field. You know, same with horses. But the stats say that horse could have beaten it. Yeah. Uh, Are we really true. seeing greatness? If there's the potential that a horse could have beaten them, who knows? Well, I don't know. We'll see. But that's it, man. Episode forty nine, another one in the books. Birdland BS fans out there, be sure to check us on the website www.birdlandbs.com. Check us out on all the social networks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, YouTube. Make sure you leave a comment on the video for Birdland BS. I'm Fred. And I'm Scott. We'll see you guys. See you.